0: Introduce myself. So um, when I came into church uh, this morning, or oh, by the way, I should introduce myself. My name is Richard Carter. For any of those who don't know me, um, I'm uh, a part of the youth and uh, family team here. The other part is my wife, um, who's looking after our four children as we speak. Um, and uh, so it's my privilege to be speaking and uh, and, and looking at the scriptures uh, this evening. Um, when I first came into church this morning, uh, this evening. And Matt came up to me and he said, you know, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And I said, yeah, fine. And um, then he said to me, oh, good, because um, you do know that this is like the central chapter of Revelation and um, everything hinges on this. And I thought, well, I was feeling fine. But, um... (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, so when we have a look through Revelation chapter 12, I will do my best. But um, before we do that, let's just pray. Words. And uh, I ask, Lord, that... um, We just come tonight with open hearts, wanting to hear from you. I want to hear from you. All of us gathered here want to hear from you. And I ask, Lord, that you would um, just overrule everything that goes on in this place tonight. And that everything that goes on would lead us to worship you even more, would transform our lives, and would deepen our relationship with you. So Lord, would you come by your spirit, would you speak to our hearts, and would you give us your revelation? In Jesus' name, amen. So we're continuing looking at our series on Revelation. and Before we have a look at Revelation chapter 12, I just want to do a very quick recap of the story so far. If you could just tap down for me, thank you. That'd be great. It's me and technology, we have a, a love hate relationship. But um, anyway, we're going to tap down for me, Sue. If that's okay, please. Thank you. And um, so we see that um, John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, is on the island of Patmos, and he's imprisoned for his testimony about Jesus Christ. Lord's Day, and I'm going to put mine, stick my neck out, and say that that would have been probably a Sunday, because that would be the, te- the day that they would have worshipped Jesus' resurrection on the Sunday, uh, rather than the Sabbath, because I'm sure it would have said the Sabbath um, if it was going to be the Saturday. So on this Sunday, whenever that Sunday was, um, John is taken out of his reality and the reality of his own suffering and is ushered into the kingdom of heaven. And there he starts off with this revelation of Jesus Christ, of the glorified Jesus. And Revelation can be quite a very difficult book to have a look at, because there's lots of imagery that is foreign to us. There's lots of meaning that can be quite foreign. Um, But what I love about Jesus is that he gives us a key in the book. So I just want to refer back to Revelation chapter one and verse 19, because this is what he says to John. He says, write, therefore, What you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. What is seen, what is now, and what will take place later. So that we know that the things that we're going to be having a look at are things that exist, that are seen, that John is going to see. They just simply exist of the last days, or um, of this era of the final uh, days of which I believe started with Jesus' ascension, and then at Pentecost, the giving of the Holy Spirit. And then things that will take place later, things that have yet to have happened. So tonight, we're going to have a look at at, um, Revelation chapter 12, and it's entitled, The Woman, the Dragon, and the Deliverer. And if you could just tap down again for me, please, Sue. Um, so also within Revelation, uh, we get this complex um, where we read it event after event after event. And it seems that one event leads into another, into another, and into another. But that's not always the case of what's going on. Not everything happens one after the other after the other. Some are happening at the same time. Some things are happening in the heavenly realm. Some things are happening on earth. And it doesn't necessarily go through that chronological order. When we come to chapter 12, again, there's lots of imagery that are really difficult to understand. But again, Jesus is really gracious to us because in verse 9 to 12, it gives us the keys to the chapter. Because in 9 and 12, he explains who the dragon is. It explains who the stars are. And, exp- and I also believe that we're looking at more than just one event happening but there's a link between the events. So let's have a look at our first uh, few verses. So I'm not going to read them again. Um, We've already um, had them read out to us. So we're going to be having a look at chapter 12, verse 1 to 5. Chapter 12, verse 1 to 5. And I want to stick my neck out again. Um, So verse 2, it says, uh, it talks about a woman. It describes what the woman looks like. It describes that the woman is pregnant, that she's in pain, that she's crying out, that she's about to give birth. And um, then it explains down in chapter five, is in verse five, rather, that she gives birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. So my translation for you of these verses that we've just read is that the woman in these few verses is Mary, is Mary the mother of Jesus, and that she's giving birth to the Christ, the Messiah, the male child who's going to rule all the nations with an iron scepter. That's my translations. So we're seeing things that are happening from a heavenly perspective, and we can translate it into an earthly perspective. It's something that has already happened. At the same time, we're then also being shown this other great sign in the heavenly realms, which is this dragon, this red dragon that's enormous. It's got seven heads. It's got 10 horns. It's got seven crowns. It sounds really scary, this great big dragon. But verse 9 and 12 tells us that this is Satan, this dragon. And in the heavenly realms, it looks like, from verses 1 to 5, that this dragon comes before the pregnant lady looking to devour its child as soon as her baby is born. And I want to put it to you that in an earthly context, that looks like King Herod making a decree that says, I want an army to go to Bethlehem and to its vicinity. That's the horrifying thing that in that, cha- in that chapter of Matthew and those verses. Not just Bethlehem, but its vicinity, and kill every child, male child, two years and under. The heavenly realms looks like a a red dragon looking to devour a child, and on the earth, I believe that's what it looks like, King Herod and this decree. We also get this picture um, and a second event happening of this picture of um, of Satan, and a tail fells a third of the stars that we see when we gaze up into the heavens. It's not those stars. But I believe from using our cipher from verse 9 to 12 that these are angels. And that Satan corrupts and brings to himself a third of the heavenly beings, a third of the angels in heaven. And they lose their place which is in the presence of God, and instead align themselves with Satan. And so he produces, he gets this army of fallen angels, these fallen stars. And tap down again for me. And from verse five, says. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. So verse five, she gave birth to a son, a male child who will rule all the nations with a nine scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. And I want to again put my, step, my uh, neck out and say that in those 12 words, we get Christ's victory. We get in those 12 words, the whole history of Jesus's ministry his life vacation, seated at the right hand of God. The 12 words again says, and her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. We also see in verse seven, we get another, this other description of this war that rages in the heavenly realms. And what I love about this war is that we see um, the devil and his angels, and they fight against the archangel Michael and um, the angels of the Lord. But this is a stunning picture of Christ's victory on the cross, where it is Jesus who wins, and it's Satan who loses. God wins. Satan loses. And that's a key message in chapter 12. Let me say it again. God wins. And Satan loses. That's one of the key messages. If we carry on from verse 7 onwards, I believe there is a metamorphosis of the woman. So I wonder if you've ever had a dream where you are in the dream, or it might be about another person, and then suddenly through the dream, they kind of change. The person changes and becomes somebody else. I wonder if you've ever had that dream. I've had that lots of times, where I'm a person, and then suddenly I'm someone else is that she stays the woman, but I believe the meaning changes from verse, um, from verse 13 onwards. And it says that after verse 13, the dragon um, then, because he can't get hold of her child, he goes after the woman and he chases her and he's going after her, but he can't ever capture her. And in the end, he gets so enraged that he can't capture that he then goes after the rest of her offspring. That's what it looks like in the heavenlies. And I believe this metamorphosis of this woman, of the meaning behind the woman, is that she's no longer Mary, the mother of Jesus, but now it's Israel. And the reason why I'm saying that is because out of Israel became the Messiah. And out of the Messiah comes salvation to all the nations. It's every born again Jew. It's every born again Gentile. And so Israel, in, in a figurative sense, is like the mother of the Messiah. Because out of Israel comes Jesus. Because Jesus was Jewish. And then it talks about her offspring. It says it's so enraged by the woman that it can't get hold of the woman. And that it then goes after her offspring. And I want to say that of Jesus. So that's every born again uh, Jew, every born again Gentile. It's everyone who's put their faith in Jesus Christ. Now that doesn't sound like much of a blessing. Because we hear in the book of Revelation that there is a blessing for reading this book. And it doesn't sound much of a blessing where it says that Satan now is going to come after us because that's like the final verse of this chapter. That doesn't sound much like a blessing, does it? No. It doesn't sound like much of a blessing. But it is truth. So the first thing that we need to look at is that out of this um, chapter, we do have an adversary. There is an enemy who is out there to get us. And it's important that we know that. And we know that this adversary is called Satan. And we know that he has been hurled to the earth and that he is at work. And that's important for us to know. But it's really important not to worry about it. You know, we read about this dragon and he looks absolutely terrifying. But if we have a look at verse 12, uh, verse 11, sorry. Verse 11 says, they overcame him. Christians, they overcame Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross and by the word of their testimony. Now that's a blessing. The blessing is we've already won because Christ has already won. We don't need to fear Satan. If you could tab down again for me, see. Uh, just tap back up again, to put back onto the aim for me. Because as Christians, we can get a false, um, a false look at what our aim in life is. Our aim in life is not to be comfortable as Christians. That's not our aim. Our aim is to obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. That's our aim as Christians, to do those two things. And by doing those two things, it puts us into the crosshairs of Satan, puts us into his sights, because he doesn't want us to do that, He doesn't want us to be effective in this world, because he wants to be the prince of the air, he doesn't want us coming along spoiling that. But that's okay. It's okay. We're not here to be comfortable, we're here to be effective. So that's number one: our aim is not to be comfortable, stresses and strains. If it's physicality that is dwaning and all of these types of things, it's OK, because the aim of our faith is not to be comfortable, but is to remain effective. Again, see. And again for me. So where's the blessing? That's number one, our aim, our uh, number one blessing. The second blessing is obeying God's commands. And it's both an encouragement and a challenge. So the encouragement is, as Christians, every day we are to obey God's command and not to get weary of doing that to continue to obey God's commands. And again, Jesus is really gracious because he sums up the entire law, everything that God wants us to know and how we should live in, in one expression. And that expression is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love other people, to love your neighbor as yourself. And we're to hold fast to that and come under that banner. Everything that we do is to to reflect that. Our speech is to reflect. I want to reflect through my speech that I love God and that I love other people. And if my interactions with other people, I want to reflect that I'm loving God and loving people. And if I fail to do that in my interactions with people and in the way that I represent myself in the world, then I'm to actually go and say sorry. And to recommit myself to living under that banner of obeying God's commands, loving God and loving other people. And it's also a challenge. And it's my challenge, and I want to challenge myself and all of us tonight for this one challenge. Can we, every morning, the first thing that we do, can we say to ourselves, I want to put myself under the banner of loving God And loving others today. Can our first prayer be, Father, can you strengthen me, give me wisdom to live under the banner of loving you and loving others in everything that I do today? And then can we do it? Can we step out and do those two things? That's blessing too, an encouragement and a challenge. And the third one is the word of our testimony. It says here that um, the devil wages against those who hold God's commands and hold the testimony of Jesus. And verse 11 says that we overcome the devil. That word testimony, again, is creeping up all over the place, isn't it? Our testimony, the testimony of Jesus. What we say about how our faith has affected us and um, what we say about why we've become a Christian. Tab down for me. And I want to give you two reasons why it's a blessing. Number one is because it's an anchor in the storm. Are you going through a storm at the moment? I'm not going through a storm at the moment. I don't know what's going through your lives at the moment, but I know that I have been through storms. Sometimes it's storms of doubt. Sometimes it's storms of circumstances. Sometimes it's storms of relational issues. And our testimony can be an anchor for us during those those times and trials. Holding on to the reason why you became a Christian and talking to fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and asking them for their testimony, which can then ignite our own faith and help us through the storm. That's blessing one. And blessing two is because the word of our testimony is the battle cry in the fight. Whether we like it or not, we need to realize we are in a spiritual battle. We have an adversary who's after us. And our testimony is our battle cry and saying, No, I'm not going to be passive in this fight, but actually, I'm going to um, get into it for you, Jesus. It's our battle cry whilst we're in the fight, is our testimony. As we give it out to those who do not yet know Jesus, and as we encourage one another with our own stories. So, tonight, just go back one, please, Sue. I'd like you, in your aisles, to do something for me, please. And that is, I want to give you five minutes to actually share in the fours and threes your testimonies. I don't... And when we share it, we need to do it quite quickly because I'm only going to give you five minutes. Uh, What I want to know is why you became a Christian. So to help us, I'm going to tell you my testimony in a nutshell. So the reason that I became a Christian was because I I went to church, but I didn't understand Jesus. I understood God, did not understand Jesus. I met somebody who was not a Christian, Years later, he became a Christian. I lost contact with him and then saw him as a Christian. And I saw that the person was different. This person now, whose name was Mark, had Jesus was the person who has given him this peace. That then set me on a journey to find out who this Jesus was. I then encountered this Jesus that he spoke about and received that peace. Peace with God, peace with myself, and peace with my fellow human being. That's my testimony. It was a person who showed me that Jesus is real and the change in his life. So in five minutes, can you tell one another your testimonies, why you became Jesus, or why you <laughs> had faith in Jesus?